0: In today's episode, Dave interviews Becky Thayer. Becky has been on Arrested Development, Weeds, Parks and Recreation, Mr. Show, True Blood, Six Feet Under, just to name a few. She's a playwright whose work has been seen on Sacred Fools, theaters, cult classics, serial killers. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. So what are you going,
1: traveling around to teach improv?
0: I'm traveling around teaching, and I'm traveling around and performing. I perform with Rachel Hamilton. Do you know Rachel?
1: I feel like I know her. Is she from Bang?
0: No, she's... She's a, she's a second city lady
1: huh.
0: Maybe she's from Bang I don't know, maybe she's done stuff at Bang So what do you guys do? We do a two person show It's a long form show And it's about 45-50 minutes And here's the great thing She produces the whole thing She produces it, she puts it together She sells tickets, she rents a space It's really professional It's that shit that, that so many improvisers don't do
1: Yeah, I don't do that
0: no, and what get I mean, what I mean is, I, I mean, like, let's just throw some shit together and go in the back of some ass and do something. Let's rent the back of a mule and perform back there and not get paid.
1: That's a good life.
0: Uh, I guess so for some That's folks. The life of an actor. I uh, see, do you, but, <laughs> but you've had you've you've done a lot of stuff since you came out here, and you don't have that life as an actor.
1: No, my life is a, mostly a mom. But actually I've actually been writing a lot lately. Uh-huh. I have a writing partner now.
0: So. huh. But you but the, the you so what this is what I was gonna ask you. Um and it's just such a queer question, but I really have to ask the question. Um because I just haven't been doing much of this lately. Look at me building it up. What the fuck could it be, David? Um What do you
1: think of me? What
0: do you, <laughs> <laughs> there's Amy Amy Sederis' line. Enough about me, what do you think of my book? Um <laughs> and uh it's it's The relationship that people have with auditioning as they get, as they, yeah, as they get older.
1: Um, I really hate auditioning. I feel bad because I know I should have a better attitude, but I really, I I feel like I just have a really bad attitude about it. That's Uh my answer to your question.
0: What's your attitude about it?
1: I go in thinking, that I'm never going to get this, Uh and then I don't get it, so. (laughs) (laughs) I get things from people, I mostly get things from people hiring me, because they already know what I do. Right. And I don't, I feel bad, because I have a really good agent, and they, you know, they do send me on good stuff, but then the commercial auditions, I just, I find them so humiliating, and... um, Mary Wattell, do you know Mary Wattell? Sure. She goes on a lot of commercial auditions. Yeah. And she was telling me this really funny story about how um, she was doing this commercial audition where she had to, like, dance around and clean her house with some cleaning product, and she just stopped and looked at the casting director, the guy with the camera, and said, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I like, I love that she did that, and I feel, that's what I feel like doing. Every Mary, time. Mary this can feels do ridiculous.
0: That. Yeah, Mary will do that. Uh, No, no, but is that thing where you go, what am I doing? Because essentially, not essentially, it is a dog and pony show.
1: I don't know. (laughs) I think, I I, I don't think I ever had the real, like, competitive business-like edge about it. So I don't think that I was good at
0: it. I loved it because I made a lot of money at it.
1: At commercials?
0: Yeah. Oh, oh. When I first came out here, I made a boatload of money. Uh, And I did voiceover work for, I was the voice of... Captain Crunch's arch-nemesis Dr. Sog. Oh, I want this guy, you know. Wow. Cuz you look at it and you go, Captain Crunch, it's Captain, not Captain, yeah. by the way. Captain Crunch, he wants to be Crunch. So his arch-nemesis oh. would be Sog. So I was a mad scientist, Dr. Sog. I did about 4 of those mm-hmm. and I bought a car with cash.
1: Yeah, that is good. So so what's your relationship with audition? I don't
0: do it anymore. Because I don't I'm... do it because I travel around the world teaching so improvisation. You don't need to do it. No, I don't need to do it. And if I don't need to do it, but I'm like you, I got, I have a, I'm doing a short on a Sunday and Monday that is just so great. It's a period piece about two sisters who are just trying to break it into the business, like 1940 style, uh-huh. and that's awesome. And so I'm growing my beard a little bit, okay, uh, to have that done. Um,
1: so somebody just asked you to do that. Someone so asked Leo me to do that.
0: It. Yeah, someone asked me to do that, and so yeah. I'll do that. But I, I just. I don't know that if I find it humiliating as much as I find it to be. I'm just not interested in half the things that are out there.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. The more that I've been writing, Mm -hmm. which I haven't made money doing yet, but um, I feel like you have so much more control when you're writing. And then when you you realize when you're going in on auditions and stuff, you feel kind of like you're... I don't know. You're sort of just being shuffled around, and you don't have any control over what's happening.
0: But you're also coming into it now, thinking, <clears throat> one day I won't need to do this. In other words, one day I'll be making enough money yeah. writing that I'm not going to be able. To, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Do you see that that way or no?
1: I, well, I don't know. I just kind of feel like I don't have a very. <laughs> I would. I wouldn't mind uh, getting an acting job that I really loved and doing acting. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I just don't feel like I get it from auditioning. That's all.
0: The things that I've seen you do have just been so fucking phenomenal. And I look at the, I look at the body of your work, and I and I, that's such a huge statement. The body of your work. But every time I see you on something, I'm like, that's fucking perfect. Aww. Your six feet under shit was just so good. <laughs> Thank you. It was just so good. And um, I've, I've, periodically, you'll pop up, and I'll just I'll be so excited because you get to play those characters that are so idiosyncratically you um not the mary tell running around cleaning singing something that you're enjoying to do i think i saw you on true blood too right? yeah i did true blood yeah but and you did you did curb and you've done one curb or two curbs
1: i did the, a, the pilot the very first before it was a series
0: <clears throat> right so you've done yeah. these great things yeah yeah and it, it's not like you're the one that comes in and says um uh, I'm here to walk the dogs. You're not the dog walker. Yeah. You know, and how Austin. Awesome I is. do
1: audition for those parts. I know. I just don't get them.
0: Well, do you think that you don't get them because people look at you? Now, this is <laughs> now there are know. a couple of things. <clears throat> There's a couple of ways of looking at it because you look at it and go, um, I don't get those because I don't get those because I suck. Or you can also look at it and say, I don't get those because I think that the casting directors think that this is beneath me. That's what I would think.
1: That's a good way to think. I should think that way.
0: Because, right? Because you yeah. look at everything else you've done, you're like, really? You're going to make me be the dog walker <laughs> in this? Dog walker number nine?
1: You know, what, you know what is the best part of auditioning now, at my age, is I run into people I know on the auditions, and we never see each other any other time. Right. That's the best part. Right.
0: And the people that we know, I mean, I'm assuming the people that you know are some of the people that I know, because yeah, I know. Yeah, they're all the same people. They're all the same
1: people. Rose Abdu is one I run into all the time on auditions. Right? And, um... And like Melanie, sometimes Melanie Hudson, mm-hmm. Carrie Aisley. Mm-hmm.
0: right. And then so, those people that you don't see, those yeah. people that we used to see all the time when we first got to LA. Yeah. And
1: yeah.
0: that circle that we had. So you've been out here for at least twenty years.
1: I moved here in like ninety two, no, like ninety one, maybe mm-hmm. ninety two, and then I left for a while, and then I came back.
0: Where did you left? You went to New York.
1: I, I was in New York, and I ha- married my first husband. Mm. And then um, we were out here for a little bit while I was working, and then we were back there, and then I, we broke up, and I came back out here in like 97 mm-hmm. in the state here since then.
0: I love it here. <laughs> I really love it here. I know I just said I miss Chicago, but, you know, yeah, it's going to rain. Isn't that exciting? Do you miss
1: the snow? It's going to be really cold in Chicago. This
0: is all oh, I'm going over New Year's. Um, do I miss the snow? Yeah, I miss the snow when I do this. I go, <laughs> look what you guys got to do. I live in LA. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. But, to, what what I don't what I think is really interesting about going to Chicago is in the in the weather. You have so much more architecture that you got to put on, mm-hmm. Like you put on the coat and the hat and the gloves and the scarf, and you go out and you use a scraper to scrape your car, mm-hmm. and then you have your car, and oh you have to shovel to your thing, and then you have your car, and then you got to park your car somewhere where there's less spaces because there's more snow that takes up spaces. But
1: is there a good a good um, point to that? To having to do all that?
0: <laughs> yes, um, to not have to do all that. That's one. Uh, and two, it's like, oh, it's lovely. It's so lovely. Look how pretty it is.
1: I mean, don't we have enough? We, I feel like I have too much time on my hands anyway. So I might as well, like I remember by when living in Chicago, I finally bought those boots that everybody had. Okay. Because I, when I first moved there, I tried to run around with like little flats on and stuff from Louisiana.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I moved there right. in the middle of winter. Right. And... I was, like, slipping and falling all the time. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I just wonder, like, maybe there's something good as to being a human being who has to, like, go through this ritual of putting all that on.
0: Well, there's, there's also something about putting it on and then going to the place where you have to put it. Uh, so you go somewhere, and it's usually a... I was at a, a, a Hanukkah party last week in Chicago two weeks ago, and there's a room that you throw all your clo- coats. And there's also something quite... That, the word is gizelle in Dutch... And it means conviviality or coziness. Uh There's an awesome coziness to the cold that you're in a room with all these people and you're going, whoa, this is great. Yeah. And it's cold outside. And the Mm windows are are frosted and you're sitting here with a bunch of people and you're drinking hot And that sort of
1: makes the reason to have these winter festivals that we have, these winter holidays. You realize why people did it. Because it was horrible outside.
0: <laughs> right. So it was right.
1: comforting to be together.
0: Right. Where do you live?
1: Where do I live? Yeah. In Pasadena.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that's a lovely community out there.
1: Yeah, it's good. I really like it. Uh-huh. I feel like when I come to L.A., I feel like everyone's so mean when they're
0: driving around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm the little old lady from Pasadena. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to you come to L.A. Because Pasadena is not a suburb. It's a city.
1: Yeah, but I mean it's close to LA.
0: I know, but you got Except to. Except for
1: west, the west side is not close to that.
0: Do you go to the west side?
1: Rarely, if sometimes I do. I did for some commercial auditions that I didn't get.
0: <laughs> we know that story. We know how that goes. <laughs> oh, I
1: did it. I did this weird thing out there where um, this philosopher guy, this guy I didn't really know. He was a friend of a friend. He wanted to make a documentary of people sitting around a table talking with this philosopher about his. His philosophy of life That life was like That we're like A computer or something I can't really remember What the The point of it. Was, but I just did that recently
0: Recently you went You went to the The west side Yeah Whenever parents. I have to go To the west side I'm like oh god The ten These are minor compared things They're minor compared things Compared to Chicago Compared to Chicago Compared to anything to else To the hell of Chicago uh, But I love that you said You have more time On your hands than You Than you than you know what to do I'm, I'm I mean I think
1: people do Don't they
0: I I it's know I me. do, but I also make people think I'm busier than I am. Uh, Everybody
1: always says they're so busy. Yeah, I don't have a smartphone. That's why I, I think I have all this time.
0: Uh, you don't have something that sucks your time away.
1: I, I mean I go on my computer and go on Facebook, but right. I don't I don't know I don't want to have a smartphone. I'm very sad about it. I was worrying about it um, today. I was just thinking about how when you go you know when you go to college. Or when i went to college i was like the first time and i started taking theater classes i met all these people that were into they were like and it was louisiana so they were like talking about the poetry of george jones and they were just like George jones the 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 country country singer yeah Uh that he's like i was thinking about this old friend of mine michael lawrence from college who would talk about george jones but just like all the different like interesting people that you meet in college that are like t- telling you things you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just a little worried that, that now the experience won't be like that for kids that age because they'll just be on their smartphone. They won't like just happen to run into some, some guy they don't know who tells them some new thing that, I don't know. I, I
0: th- I, so what you're saying is whereas um, historically there would be, uh, I would be sitting on a bench waiting for a, a bus and I would just be sitting maybe reading a book. Yeah. And then a guy would come up and go, "Hey, I read that book." And then you, you talk. But mm-hmm. right now you're sitting on the bench reading your smart smartphone. And that guy comes up and he opens up his smartphone, mm-hmm. and nothing happens. Yeah. There's no interaction. Yeah. Are you? I
1: noticed that working sometimes, working on shows, uh-huh. like you know how you used to sit. Like if you're working on a show and you had to sit around, you just had to talk to the other actors because there wasn't anything else to do. Right. But now they all just go and play their games and they don't talk like nobody would talk to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's that little old lady from Pasadena.
1: (laughs) I try to pretend like I'm reading the books on the set. Like, ooh, these are interesting. Like the prop books, trying to get attention.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Um, No, I agree, I I agree. I also think that when I, I, I... There was a photograph of somebody... There was a photograph of three people on a bus, and each person was on the aisle seat of this bus, and they were all on their smartphones. And someone said, "What does the world come to?" And I'm thinking, "You don't know whether you don't know what they're doing on that smartphone. They could be reading a yeah. book on that smartphone. Yeah. And if they're reading a book on that smartphone, because that's what I do, what is it? Among other things, what's the difference?
1: <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, you're right. There's. I don't know. I guess I just. I just wonder if there's less interaction.
0: I like, would think less. That-
1: less by chance interaction. Mm-hmm. Because even I mean you're even they're even looking at people to go meet on websites that have something in common with them or something, but it's not just like some random person.
0: What's the benefit? Do you see the benefit? What's oh, the, the smartphone? benefit?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't need I don't have one.
0: Uh-huh. I I really like it. What do I like about it? I like the fact that I could I do all my business on, on it. On that or on my iPad. Um I connect with people, I do promotion with people, I do publicity for things that I'm doing. So I see it as a tool.
1: Well, those are the, on the social network sites.
0: Those are on the social network yeah. sites. I
1: mean, I, I, I do. I, I see the benefit of that. Yes. But I just I just feel like... I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying anyone. no one should have one. I'm just saying like, I wonder how it's going to change yeah. what people's experience of life is.
0: Has your husband, uh, Tony Millionaire, has he... Because I wonder if he's selling less books or more books because
1: uh, he's doing pretty well. I think his books sell pretty well. You mean because it's, people are not buying books.
0: Yeah, I'm just I don't know that people aren't buying books. I don't know that to be I true. No,
1: I think the kind of people that buy his books would still buy books because they are people th- who buy graphic novels and comics. i I can't imagine enjoying reading that on a on a on a surface no. as much as reading it with the drawings and stuff.
0: I love I bought a friend of mine, a friend of mine. Um stony M. Schwiller do you know stony is
1: he from Chicago? I
0: think he might be mm. i don't know where I know him from hopefully he's not going to hear this maybe he'll hear it because do i know don't him? know i i just i I just Stony S- Schwiller. is he wh- how old is he he's probably he's probably my age in his mid fifties maybe and he's a writer he might have been he also lived in New York for a while I know he lived in New York and He's a writer and he wrote a book a number of years ago um, called The Host, Levels, The Host. And I, he wanted me to read it and comment on it or something. And so he sent me a copy. And I have a book. And I'm reading a book. And I hold on to the book. And I look at the book. And I fucking <laughs> love that book. I love the book. <laughs> do you read a lot? I do. Yeah. yeah. So you understand what I I
1: go read to the book. library, though. Oh, you I, do? I,
0: I don't read on pads. Oh, no, this is what I'm saying.
1: I want to see a picture. Is there a picture no, of there's Stoney? Picture.
0: Yeah, well, there might be a picture of Stoney. I bet there is. I bet there is a picture. But see,
1: of there was this guy that I had this experience with in Chicago. No, there's no picture. That there. I can couldn't, I never couldn't remember if his name was Curly or Stoney. <laughs> 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 I don't
0: know if it was him. <laughs> um, I, but I, I went to a bookstore yesterday in, um, in Marin County. And it was just delightful. And I, this is what I want people to do. Stop writing books for about two years. So I can catch up.
1: Yeah. Well, I tend to go from thing to thing, like like whatever comes up next, or if I'm, like I just saw this great documentary about Susan Sontag on HBO. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Although there's like the way they do like the music sometimes is a little corny and overly yeah. really dramatic. Did you see it? No. <laughs> like this. Like sometimes they'll talk about, it. and then Susan got sick, and they'll show like this weird, like they'll show like cancer cells. Like oh just yeah, no, yeah no,
0: yeah, no. With like no, weird jazz music. No.
1: But I realize I need to go and get some Susan Sontag books and read those next because I have never read any. Right. I mean, I know what she wrote about her essays and I know, like what the famous ones were about mm-hmm. and photography. And, yes. But um, so that's like the next job. I feel like I'm I'm always like trying to educate myself on the stuff I should have already known about. But. Got
0: it. Got it. I'm just thinking about people that I know that've written books. How many books has Tony written?
1: I don't know. I don't have know. you read
0: any of our friends' books?
1: Um. I, oh, I love Amy Sedaris's cookbook that mm-hmm. she came out with. Right. Entertaining, and I use her recipes, and I have that. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? My sister wrote a book, Sarah Thayer. That's right. I that do remember. It was really funny. Right. Like a memoir.
0: Um, well, I don't know how well you know Tina or Amy Polar.
1: Um, I know Amy Poehler. I haven't read her book. Mm-hmm. And I never met Tina Fey. She was, I, it was after I right. left, I think. How about Dratch? Um, yeah, I know her. Yeah. Did she write a book? She wrote a book. Oh, I got to read her book. Yeah,
0: she wrote a book too. And all these people that wrote a book, they wrote a book. They sat down and they wrote a fucking book. Your sister, Sarah, wrote a book. She sat so down and a book. do you want to write a book? What's that? Do you want to write a book? I want to write a book. And I think that what's happening is, this morning I woke up and was like, that's the title of the book.
1: What? I got the
0: title of the book. Um,
1: I forgot. <laughs> no,
0: I wrote it down. I wrote it down. It was four o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh, it just hit me. And I think that... the it's, it's going to be an improv book, but it's also going to be a book about being here in the moment and letting go of stuff, because mm-hmm. that's really what the improv is about. Uh, and it's called Surrendering the MacGuffin, uh, a, a Feeling Guide to Improv. I think that that's what it's going to be called, but then I, I wrote... I, I I said it to Rachel Hamilton and she's like, mm, no. I'm like, mm, all right. Um,
1: well, why does, like, you have to write, if it's your book, you should write it with you want to I. Agree. I agree. I have to admit, what, I know that there's, like, a term about a MacGuffin, but yeah. what is it? What a MacGuffin, MacGuffin is
0: in Hitchcock terms, uh-huh. it's an event that happens. So at the beginning of Psycho, he puts in a MacGuffin in every book. At the beginning of Psycho, she steals the money, but nobody right. remembers that. She steals the money, she puts it in the trunk, and then she goes to the Bates Motel. Uh That's the MacGuffin. And then they never talk about it again.
1: Isn't that why they're looking for her, though? Um, Or no?
0: I don't know why they're looking for her.
1: Maybe that's her sister misses her.
0: Yes, something like that. Missing person or something like that. But it brings all these characters together. Okay. You know, and we let it go. So an improv. So
1: it's the inciting incident.
0: Exactly. Okay. So it's the inciting incident, and then you let it go because all mm-hmm. the characters are now connected to each other. So in improvisation, oh, yeah. when people get together, there's usually a reason that they get together, and then mm-hmm. you surrender that, and then you get to know why all the all the characters are are there. At the beginning of every single Simpsons, there's a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa wants a new read for her saxophone, mm-hmm. so she. And then at the end of the episode, she's having lunch with Paul and Linda McCartney, like those two things. I think that's
1: a good title. Why didn't Rachel like it?
0: I don't, I I think she thought it was maybe too inside baseball, you know, where you go, this is, oh, this is, this is too inside.
1: Although I have, I mean, that's the kind of term that would attract me to a book because I'd be like, what does that mean again?
0: Right. (laughs) Like I know it
1: means something Mm -hmm. in terms of, yeah, like, like a red herring or something
0: Yes, right, right. A red herring that just constantly throws you off. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about uh, the Susan Sontag um, documentary with the kind of distracting graphics and stuff uh-huh. like that, and it made me think of Radiolab. Do you listen to Radiolab? Uh-huh. I find that to be really distracting. The the production um, value of oh, okay. that, because they'll say a guy will have a list. I went to the store and I bought milk and eggs and toast. And bacon, and it's gonna be milk is in one ear, eggs is in one ear, toast is in one ear, bacon is in another ear. And they cut it, and I find it to be uh. utterly distracting. And I think those guys, I can't take it.
1: So it cuts from uh, if you're listening on headphones, it's like,
0: yeah, in, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And if you're listening in a car, it's like, uh. Zid-a-b-zid, zid-a-b-zid, uh. Zid-a-b-zid. and they'll, the, the banter drives me fucking batty.
1: I can't really remember. Um, exactly how they okay, are. So I mean, is, I've heard so, some. So
0: say, I can't really remember how they yeah. really are. Say, I, don't, I
1: can't really remember. You can't really
0: remember? <laughs> yeah. Is that? Yeah, I can't really yeah. remember how they really are. Well, I'll tell you yeah. how they really are. And then they have a cut of...
1: Is it because they're a radio lab? They're trying to be right. creatively radiotic?
0: Radiotic. It's radiotic. <laughs> it's a combination of radio and idiotic. They're radiotic.
1: All I remember of that show is I like, heard a great one where some guy figured out he had lots of allergies. And he went to some third world country and caught a bunch of tapeworms because that helped his allergies. Like <gasps> he, he just, like, walked caught around. Yeah, he walked around <clears throat> in like fecal matter, so he could get some worms, and then it sa- it helped him from his allergies. That's all I remember learning on Radiolab.
0: We gotta we gotta look at the fucking world we live in. Like the, our biggest thing is snow. There are countries that have these trough snakes. You know what I'm talking about? Trough snakes. Something like that. There that you get in your system, and they bore out from the inside
1: of your of your of anywhere your intestines? of your no of your, oh, legs. your leg of your Even leg or your intestine yeah. or your hand. Like yeah. suddenly
0: it'll be like like it's poking yeah. through, and you're going, yeah. "What the fuck is inside of you?"
1: Yeah, but you know who do who are we to say that we are too good to have something growing inside of us?
0: All right, good. I mean, we think have babies. of an animal.
1: Animals, yeah, we have babies. Yeah, so weird.
0: But a baby seems. <laughs> different than a snake growing inside of you. I, hey, no, I know. You know, call me a humanist. I think humanist, surrender,
1: but, to the, just surrender to nature and just lie there and let it all crawl around. <laughs> are there flies that do that? They, like, lay their eggs in your skin? I think
0: that there are. Out. Yeah, there was a woman that had a tape, some kind of worm that went into her ear, into her brain. She had a headache for the longest time. And this was recently. And they took an an MRI uh-huh. of it, and they saw that there was something in her fucking skull
1: Did they get it out?
0: They got it out. And how was she? I don't know.
1: See? She's fine.
0: Again, I don't know. Maybe she's not fine.
1: Once I heard some old ladies talking in the gym, in the sauna, in the steam room, Mm -hmm. saying that the problem with cancer is you need to just feed it and let it live in your body. And if you try to kill it, then it'll kill you. Which I thought was an interesting (sighs) philosophy. I don't want
0: that inside my body.
1: Maybe you just have to, like, just let people... let. Other creatures live in your body. You probably have things in your body anyway.
0: Oh, I bet I do. I know I have things in my body. I know I have things in my body. I know. I know. I know. I have things in my body. Um, I eat a lot of fucking stuff. I eat so sushi. Oh, I had sushi yesterday. I had sushi yesterday at a place where they made it all wrong. The sushi was wrong. It was like okay, you know the little Jimmy sprinkles that have like the red and blue and like the colorful Uh sprinkles that are on. They put that on sushi. It was fucking on a, on a roll Where And I'm this? like This is in This is in This is in. This is
1: a cupcake store
0: It looked like It, it looked like the con, And sushi. they got it totally wrong They was like It was one Do you ever watch Kitchen Nightmares? No
1: But you ate it anyway
0: I ate a lot of it Why? Because it was there and It was and sweet I was 15 and sugary now. It wasn't sweet and sugary That's the weird <laughs> thing Like it, it looked like It looked like a cupcake Fucked A, 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 a sushi roll
1: what were the jimmies?
0: The jimmies were I, they were just crunchy. Worm <laughs> eggs. They might have were they were crunchy. They were crunchy. What
1: color were they?
0: What color were they? <laughs> Did you say what color yes. were they? They were they were like a pastel green, a pastel blue, <laughs> a pastel orange. I'm not kidding. They were like little I should've fucking taken a picture of it because I'm thinking mm-hmm. this is not right and I'm never going back there again.
1: But isn't that, I mean like I do that too then I'd still eat it anyway. I'd I be ate like, it anyway. Mm-hmm. I like, I remember being like, <laughs> we got this chocolate pie from, I would normally not get this, but my daughter was like, can we have this? It was like one of those chocolate cream pies from Vons with like chocolate pudding and whipped cream on top. Sure. And there was like, <laughs> when I got it home, there was this red juice leaking out of it. And I was kind of like, what is that? I don't know. And we were all like eating. We <laughs> were eating the pie going, this tastes weird? This kind of tastes weird. <laughs> I was telling my husband, I was like, I think I should take this pie back and tell him that I think there was some, something. It was what? I'm sorry. So well. I was like, I think I should take this pie back and tell him that there was some kind of red juice and I just taste weird. And he goes, and he looked at it and he's like, it's half gone. You can't bring the pie back and be like, there's something wrong <laughs> with we ate half of it and then we were like well
0: no, I'm weird. sorry no I'm sorry oh my god and it, it's one of those things where like this does taste funny taste it and you go okay or just smells bad smell it okay what is that
1: what? I don't know let's eat it let's eat it <laughs> waste it <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god oh my god uh what are you doing what like do you cook are you a cook
1: <laughs> yeah i cook you- once i was in this line in the vons and i had a i was buying a thing of milk and there was like white powder on top and i <laughs> i put it with my finger and then i sniffed it and i thought that smells like cocaine and then i was like oh my god there's cocaine on this milk bottle and then I thought, that's crazy. <laughs> I would not have been that. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, oh, my I, God. I think I'm a pretty good cook.
0: I, <laughs> I'm i going to say this. I did this once with somebody that you may know. I'm not going to say who it is, but it's not a very good story. We. Is it
1: Jackie Hoffman?
0: No. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good guess, though. Um, we were walking out of the Second City on Melrose. I don't know what I was fucking thinking and it was maybe about 12 years ago and we found a packet of white powder on the ground.
1: I would do that shit.
0: And Are you we crazy? We picked it up. Yeah, do
1: it. I know. We picked it up
0: <laughs> and we tasted it a little bit and we go, want to do this? And we went, okay. And then we planned, not. we can't do it today because we've got to go, so we planned doing it the next day. Our wives were out of town or something like that. Our wives. And, hmm. and we did it <laughs> And we—I don't know what the fuck it was, but I was up for two solid days, and I wasn't hungry. And it, was like, it speed? Was, it, it was speedy. It was speedy, but there was also something else in it. And I—and thinking back on it, like going, I found it on the ground,
1: but it was in a little bag. So somebody obviously cared enough to put it into a bag. <laughs> so it's probably right. okay.
0: But it could have <laughs> been. Who the fuck knows what it could have been?
1: What did it taste like?
0: It tasted <laughs> metallic. Uh huh. And, you know, and it, ta- it tasted metallic-y, but we snorted it, and uh-huh. it hurt the inside of our nose.
1: That was probably speed.
0: It could either be speed or meth of some yes, kind. Yeah, meth is speed. Yeah. Like
1: crystal meth. Yeah. But they didn't have... It was, that wasn't going around back then. It no, you're that? right. That
0: wasn't going around back then.
1: I don't know. I don't know probably what it was Probably cocaine.
0: But it wasn't but coke. not good cocaine. But it was bad coke. Yeah. It was bad coke. It definitely it... wasn't
1: heroin if you stayed up for two days.
0: Because heroin makes you sleep?
1: Yeah, okay. I think it wouldn't keep you up.
0: Yeah, I don't, sure. I don't know. I am so glad I, that shit wasn't around because I would have done it. I would have done it. I would have done it.
1: Well, yeah, then you wouldn't have any teeth left. Right. Now look at you.
0: Right, plenty of teeth. Almost all that I came with. <laughs> Almost all the teeth but I you came
1: But you came out with a full set of teeth?
0: I came out with a full set of teeth. My, <laughs> girlfriend, my girlfriend has her baby teeth.
1: Oh, did, they, did her other teeth ever come in? They never came in. Oh, well, my Which daughters, one of my daughters is having stuff pulled. Because one of them, came, her baby tooth didn't come out, but the other tooth came in like sideways.
0: <sighs> her baby tooth didn't come in or came, or didn't her baby leave. tooth
1: wouldn't, wouldn't come out. Wouldn't come out. And my other friend had that, but her permanent teeth grew in behind them like a shark.
0: Wow, she had double rows? Yeah. That's so my, they have to pull it. They I would also think that would be a flossing nightmare. <laughs>
1: yeah. I
0: don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a flossing nightmare. (laughs) I enjoy going to the dentist. I'm going to tell you. Do you have a nice dentist? The dentist is fine, but it's more along the lines of I don't want to have to deal with getting older and having false teeth in a jar.
1: Do your parents have that, or did they? They
0: have a bridge. My mom has a bridge. My dad has his teeth. But I look at all those things about getting older. That's why I quit smoking. You smoked, didn't you? No.
1: I was never a smoker.
0: You were never a smoker. No.
1: I had a psychological aversion to smoking. Because my parents were always smoking around us when we were little,
0: locking smoke? us
1: in the car with the windows right. up, making us breathe their smoke.
0: So uh, Sarah did. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah smoked. Did. Yeah. I thought she did. Did Andy smoke?
1: Yeah. They were big smokers. That's what I
0: thought. I think I've smoked <laughs> with Andy. Um, <laughs> I just
1: saw him. I did a little thing on Conan the other night. Andy Richter. The, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: He's a happy man.
1: Yes. He seems happy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What a gig. Yeah. People are working that we know. I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm like
1: but you're. You know what? I this is the key. I think you just have to keep creating your own thing. Like the more I'm like writing with my partner or writing things, I'm just happy, and then I feel like I feel like there's more of a flow, and then work will come. You know, it doesn't feel like I'm waiting for it to come. Was it good? Like
0: Boy, Beltsman, Mark Beltzman said when I first got. It, he goes, I said I'm coming out to LA. He said, get a distraction because you don't want to wait around. For the phone to ring, essentially, but what you're saying is pretty much the same thing. But you're also saying keep artistically moving forward.
1: Yeah, what you're doing because you're always teaching. I'm
0: always yeah. I have a class this this afternoon. Where
1: do you teach? Here.
0: I have a drop-in class, so whenever I'm in town, I do a class in um, at Theater Asylum, the Lillian Theater. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Right over there.
0: Um, So I teach a class there.
1: And people, how do they know you're in town? I have a website. It's on my website,
0: and and I also, when I'm out of town, I'll tell people. So again, going back to social media and stuff like that, uh, I I really rely on it to make sure that people know what I'm doing. That's good. Because I want people to know what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, But when it comes to, I was thinking about the the stuff that we did at the Annoyance Theater. You were there longer than I was there, but there was always something going on. There was always another project going on. There was always something Mm -hmm. happening. And I find that when you're surrounded with people, certainly having a writing partner, when you're surrounded mm-hmm. with people that are creative, what a fucking joy that is.
1: It is. And I feel like that um, I'm not, I, re- I did write a, a play by myself that I just kind of started doing because I was, I wanted to try it because I was reading um, a lot of Pinter. And I was like, I want to write an absurdist play. So I started to write this play. And then it turned out to be, I was trying to see if I could make it make no sense at all. But then it kind of made started making sense and being funny instead of dramatic, like I wanted it to be. But I can't. I don't know. I don't know how to do that drama. Did you
0: ever have somebody Pat Town
1: is in a theater company called Serial Killers. Yes. And he put it. I mean, it's a company called Sacred Fools. And he did it in Serial Killers, and he directed it, and it made it almost to the end. So I didn't ever finish it. I never finished writing it.
0: It made it to the end, being like if if people like it the next week, they ask for another one. Yeah. There's like
1: um, five plays compete on a late night show and the audience they see five sh- scenes from five different plays and then they vote for the next three that they want to see the next one uh-huh. so it's like serialized plays right. i'm not i'm not co- explaining it well at all no
0: no no it, it does make sense i mean it's a competition that when yeah. when these three plays make it it goes on and it moves yeah. on
1: so now i i'm just doing part of it as a one act in um, this festival called One Axe, A-X-E, that's like for women directors and writers in March. So, Here in L.A.? Yeah, it's being done in L.A. And anyway, I guess my point is I was just kind of like doing it to do it. Like I didn't really know what I would do with it. But I didn't want to produce it myself, and I didn't want to be in it. Right. Even though I kind of wrote the part for myself. Like I wrote how
0: I would want it to be. And how, and, and how else can you write it? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. That's all in my voice. All the characters are kind of... Is that how you write?
0: I, I don't write, but you I do know write. that when, when I improvise, they're all essentially in my voice. You yeah. Know, they're all... That is what it is. But I, I would think that writing... Because most of the things that I write are about the work that I do or about why are people such idiots yeah. voting for stupid shit? Why the fuck is... What's oh, wrong political. with it? political. Yeah, yeah, political stuff. But it's, it's rarely fiction rarely but when I do I mean I improvise all the time so that's essentially it so I'm yeah. playing this woman who has that point of view or playing that guy who has that point of view
1: yeah did I'm, you go to did you start out in theater school
0: no I have a degree in photojournalism Oh. I was a huh. photojournalist for a number of years but I started out not at theater school but I started out as, an, as a child actor and then when I got to college uh, I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do I thought can't you can't be an actor I know that's what yeah. somebody else does
1: my luckily, my dad was going through a midlife crisis when he was when I was in college. So he was like, "Well, you should, if you like it, you should do it."
0: Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was the one good thing he ever did.
0: Well, if you like it, you <laughs> should do it, and then support you on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he wasn't like, he was didn't financially support me
0: but, <laughs> but, but to have that behind you where, you, yeah. where somebody goes because financially supported, it's yeah. great but there's also something like you want to do that do that we're behind you 100% right, or right, whatever because right. my folks my dad was like mm, mm, he literally said one time when I was joining a theater company that performed in prisons that's where I met Ellen Stone King. Oh,
1: okay. Um, was that in Chicago?
0: It was based in Chicago, but uh-huh. we went all around the United States in a bus. I had
1: a friend from um, Seattle who did that. They did um, Waiting for Godot in prison. Oh, did we did that? improv. Oh, you we did in, non-comedic With the, with the prisoners. Improv.
0: Yeah, we did non-comedic. and oh, that's and so great. It was, it, I was 25, and I got treated like shit by the director, but I didn't care because I was learning something. But my dad, when I got in it, I said, I'm quitting the job at the photo shop. I was selling cameras. And he said, son, don't you think you're chasing rainbows? And I'm thinking, what? Who talks that way? Who
1: am I? Judy Garland?
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then at 65, my dad calls, my dad calls me up and says, because um, I lived out here. He goes, uh, I want to be an actor. Can you hook me up with, your, with, uh, with somebody? And I hooked him up with a Chicago agent. Uh-huh. And that fucker works all the time.
1: What does he do in Chicago? Uh,
0: what is,
1: what, acting?
0: He does commercials. Voiceover. He does, he'll do a play. He was in um, The Seagull. He's done, he's written pieces that he's been in. So he works. That's great. You fucking last long enough and you're gonna work.
1: Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So does he ever say now, like, oh, now I see why you like it?
0: No, he says things like, uh, no, he never says anything like that at all. I mean, what, no. what he'll say is, like, you have me to thank for your career. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, and I'm going, <laughs> all right, Dad. Because you can't win. You can't win. Yeah. You can't yeah. win. You know, he was an electrician forever. He still does that, too. So, But when you came out here, did you have a solid idea of what you wanted to do? Well, when I first came
1: here, <clears throat> it was with the Real I Brady Bunch. Right. And then... Right. I really I did not think I would get hired to do things and then I got like a pilot I got a few little jobs and stuff but I ran back to New York because I was I just felt like I can't I don't know what to do and I didn't really have um, I think my inner feelings about myself weren't matching the outward um, acceptance or you know um, people hiring me for things I didn't feel like I deserved it or something so I kind of didn't really enjoy it at the time
0: because oh I get it I get it and then I
1: was in New York just being crazy and then I came back out because Jill and Melanie were here and I was like well they're my support system yeah yeah Melanie Uh, me. so I was was like yeah it's somewhere to go I don't know exactly I didn't have a plan but but
0: it's interesting (laughs) the idea of you're getting hired but you're not celebrating you're getting hired because you're thinking it's a fluke is that what is that what it was
1: I think that yeah, I I felt like I wasn't good enough. Like I just felt in like, spite of the
0: fact that you were getting work.
1: Um, yeah, I think I had very like low self esteem. Sounds so pop psychology, but and then it's a thing. when you get like outside approval, it just doesn't match, so you feel kind of like disoriented. You don't.
0: Des- you're thinking that you don't deserve it, and that they're wrong.
1: Yeah. Or that they're making fun of me. <laughs> I used think if people would like compliment me, that they were kind of like making fun of me or they would say it because they felt sorry for me.
0: What an interesting thing to get past though, the idea of the moment that you go, oh, that's not true.
1: Yeah, I kind of had to, I, things got so bad that I had to like accept that maybe the way I saw the world wasn't real and try to change the way I, saw, like try to trust people more.
0: It's, it's the mental equivalent of body dysmorphia. Yeah. It's mental dysmorphia. Yeah. That's got to be a phrase.
1: Yeah. I guess. It is now. Sounds like it.
0: <laughs> it is now. I think that, that so many times, I know when I got cast in Second City, I was looking around thinking, well I got cast and Mick Napier didn't get cast or I got cast and Richard Label didn't get cast. I think there's a big problem here. I don't deserve to, why is it that, I don't know, huh? Me? Did you feel like you could do it
1: though? Did you feel like you knew what you were doing?
0: Um, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing, but I felt like I would know what I was doing once I got in the middle of it and figured it out. And, That's good. and not figured it out, but experienced it, and that would help me know what yeah. I was doing. Because I think that I, I don't think I ever saw a Herald before I did a Herald. I don't think I ever saw a Second City review total. Maybe I, uh-huh. I, I'm sure I did. Before I, I the did first one.
1: time I ever went to Second City, I saw you.
0: Uh, you
1: and, and you know you and uh, Liza Coil and Jackie Hoffman touring company. Yeah, but it was. It must have been like on a Monday. Yeah, it was a Monday. something like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you talk to Jackie at all?
1: I haven't seen her in a long time. I started her do, uh, do a show out here. I went to see her and said hi to her, but it was kind of like she was busy. and Right. We talk.
0: That's the thing about Jackie is she's busy. Yeah. Like, hey, how are you, Melissa? What's happening? That sort she of thing. She calls you Melissa? Oh, she always calls me Melissa. <laughs> she calls everybody Melissa. Uh, did you see Birdman?
1: No. Is Go she ahead. in that? Oh, yeah. Mary told me. You can hear her yelling. <laughs>
0: She's across the street, she's going, hey, get off the roof! And the minute that she goes, hey, uh, my girlfriend and I went, Jackie Hoffman. Hey! Hey. It's like, hey. One word, hey, and you go, Jackie Hoffman, this Jackie Hoffman. But there's somebody that got that got such tremendous success, and she talks about it in the podcast that I did with her, where she's like, I will never work again. It's like, go fuck yourself. Did you do,
1: um, in New York, did you interview did in her? in New York. And when, she thinks she won't work again? Well, is she, she on Broadway right now? Oh my something? God,
0: she's on Broadway doing, uh, oh... The 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 the, uh, on the town. She's doing on the town now. She opened three shows on Broadway, and that went like she she opened hairspray. Hairspray. um, uh, The roller skating. The roller skating. uh, uh, Starlight uh, Express. No 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 no. no. (laughs) I saw that in London Uh, when I was in college. uh, Yeah no I can't. Uh, 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 It was um, roller skating. Yeah yeah. Another one. It was yeah it was was it roller skating. It was. Oh, fuck I can't remember right she now. was in the
1: Adams family and,
0: but her understudy and she was in the Adams family so she opened the Adams family she opened fuck I forgot I'm just spacing it. was roller skating it was roller skating it was the, huh. it was, um, the woman uh, uh, the Australian singer did a movie of it in the 70s uh, what's her name
1: oh Xanadu
0: yes <laughs> Xanadu Xanadu
1: <laughs> I didn't know they even did that
0: why would I think that's roller skating Maybe I think they are roller, they are roller skating. skating she did Xanadu she opened Xanadu her understudy was Whoopi Goldberg Wow. So you look at Jackie and she goes, I don't think I'll ever work again. I'm like, you have opened as many shows as maybe Patty Lapone and, mm-hmm. and you're going, You'll never work again? What the fuck is wrong with you? But you didn't do that. Jackie I think does that to to make to go, You're doing okay, you're great. I think she's less that now than she was before.
1: Yeah, I I feel like I always found her she used to write stuff every once in a while, we would do stuff together and all the stuff she would write, like she's like, We're gonna do this sketch where you're my neighbor, your name is Christy St. Christian, and you always get hired for everything just because of what you look like and because you're Gentile. And I knew that's what she really thought of me. And then she's like, you come to my apartment and you ask me for advice because you just got hired to be in a play and play Anne Frank. And I, and you don't, you don't know what the ghetto is or whatever. <laughs> I was like, but I love that about her. Like, I love to try to play. Once we did this little short film um, with a friend of mine and – we were Siamese twins. and we were, You she and Jackie? Was, yeah. <laughs> she was like the Jackie one and I was like the happy one. But um, I
0: don't There's know. There's two types of people. The Jackie ones and the happy ones.
1: <laughs> but anyway, I don't know. She's so funny. I love her.
0: I love her too. And it, it is that feeling of, well, you're looking at Jackie and going, Jackie always wanted to be on Broadway. Always. Yeah,
1: so she made it happen.
0: And she made it happen. But you look at Colbert. Yeah. Always wanted to be Colbert.
1: Yeah. I didn't know him that well I knew him a little bit And mm-hmm. I never would have guessed That he was Politically liberal so, I was assumed He was really like A conservative guy Because he always wore a suit And
0: everything Right Well, Second City We all wore a suit
1: Yeah, that's true But I saw him out here Like on a lot somewhere And he was wearing a suit With like Got a it. jacket and a tie Right,
0: right, right, <laughs> right, right Right. Right. No, he was always liberal And all the work that we would do is always liberal Always kind Always, uh, you know And he had Obama on his show
1: He has a show Did you just watch it? Less I like, watched yeah, it. Yeah, it I so watched good. it.
0: It was really great. It was yeah. really, really great. And everybody out here is out here. So I have a friend who is talking about, she's a young woman who's talking about coming out to L.A. And just today she said, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. I don't have the, you know, for for whatever reason, what if this doesn't happen? What if mm-hmm. that doesn't happen? And and so she's staying in New York, you know, another couple of months. And I'm thinking, what do what you... Fear stops us all the time. Yeah. And fear is just a thing. Yeah. And I look at the, again. I'm going back to the annoyance shows that we did, where you go. These are the stupidest fucking shows in the world. And if you want to think that someone's going to judge you, you do the Miss Vagina Pageant. Were you in that? <laughs> yeah. You do something called the Miss Vagina Pageant, <laughs> or you do what's another show that you were in over there?
1: Um. Well, I'm, I just did that. I did Mance in the musical. Mance in the musical. And- and- and the Real I Brady Bunch. And the Real I Brady I Bunch. Yeah.
0: Three pretty stupid things that yeah. you just went, you know what? I don't have to worry about myself.
1: Well, it was because I felt like I felt safe with my group. Like, we, we were all like, the people whose opinions mattered the most to me were involved in those shows. So, if, if someone else didn't get it, then they were just lame. Right. Like, we were the, key, we were like the most important people.
0: I totally agree. <laughs> and that's one of the things about coming out here and having a community out here, that you're coming out here not alone that when you come out here, you will be, for the most part, you will be surrounded by people who really care for you and people who want to help you out.
1: Yeah, and it's good out here.
0: Yeah. And how did you find your writing partner?
1: Um, okay, <clears throat> her, she's getting married to this guy, Matt Danner, who I had actually met him on a job I did for this kid's show called Out of Jimmy's Head, and he was the... It was like a live action mixed with animation. And he was directing the animated part. Mm-hmm. Then he ended up... Then I, um, When my husband, Tony Millionaire, got a show on Adult Swim of his... They made a, a show of his comic called The Drinky Crow Show. Matt was the director. Ah. So then Tony and Matt started working together. And now they're um, working on trying to get a movie made of one of Tony's other books. Uh-huh. And so then Annie is Matt's fiancé... And when I wrote that play, and Matt's mother is a manager <laughs> who's been out here since like the 60s. Uh-huh. She's really great. Her name is Judy Copage, and she's really tough. And Judy smart.
0: Copage. Yeah. How do you spell Copage?
1: C O P P A G E.
0: Copage.
1: She's told me she worked on, um, there was this book called uh, Sheila Levine is Dead and Living in New York City or something like that. That really sounds Do you remember familiar. that book? Yeah. It was by Gail Parent. Okay. Who was a writer for the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Anyway, uh-huh. so that book, I, I've always found that book in used bookstores. It's from like the 60s. Mm-hmm. It's like of kind of like funny women's humor, like anti-Mary Tyler Moore story. Got it. Thing. But anyway. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so she's their manager. She, she, Annie's a writer, and she's written a lot of pilots and written on TV. And Judy read my play and said, we should write together. And she was right, because we it. were a good balance together.
0: Sitting down and writing with somebody is just so. It feels so good, especially if you've got who 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 types.
1: Uh, we both do, you but both we type- sometimes we'll like write separately and then put mm-hmm. them together. Right. But Annie's the one that has final draft, and she's the one that knows how things are supposed to look and everything. Right.
0: The formatting. Yeah. Which I think is intimidating to people at the beginning.
1: And also, she knows about like a story and b story. And
0: right. <laughs> yeah. Those are things too. <laughs> I know. Where you go? What is that? How does that work? How does that work? Uh, one of the things that Andrew Alexander said when, when uh, Andrew's the owner of Second City when he was in the chair um, he was saying we have to teach people how to write because to be an actor is one mm-hmm. thing but there's another skill that you're writing that when you mm-hmm. can act and you write it's sort of like you know how to cook the food and farm the food farm mm-hmm. the food and cook the food because at that moment you're doing everything that you could possibly do to get yourself work to put to get to put yourself in this place that is just dying for you to show up with stuff. Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm surprised that so many people who do improv don't, because you are writing all the time, you know. So I think that I'm starting to realize, like, that people, um, I don't, not you, but like, I think some people feel like to that to write. You have to, like, know this set of rules. That's what Like, it's from school. It's from when you had to write essays in school or something. But really, the best way is to just write the way you would talk and not not be thinking about those rules. Like, I feel like that took me a long time to, because I, I was, like, a, you know, straight-A student in school and cared all about grammar and following the rules. And structure. And diagramming sentences. And that gets in the way of creativity sometimes, I think.
0: It's interesting because exactly what you're saying is the reason that I think so many people don't want to do improvisation. Because the rules don't make sense to them. Mm -hmm. Why why do I have to not ask questions? Mm -hmm. Why can't I talk about somebody who's not here? This is the way that I live my life. How can it be so that the moment that I'm up on stage, I have to think about all those fucking rules. Mm -hmm. Get the who, the what, and the where out at the beginning of the scene. Or get the game of the scene, that sort of thing. And I think... Wow, we're stopping people because there's a governor upon them saying there's right and there's wrong, as opposed to you are up here to unfold and for a evolve of who it is that you are. And what you're saying is get in front of get in front of something, type out on it, and just go blah and mm-hmm. see what happens and fix it later.
1: Right, that's what they say. Like Hemingway said, something like all first drafts are shit or something like that. Right. I like to just, like, attribute phrases to people like Hemingway. I don't know. Uh, Hemingway said it it or, (laughs) yeah,
0: (laughs) Hemingway said it. I think Betty Crocker said it. Yeah. Betty Crocker said it. All first pies are shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So do you feel like when you, with improv, that people shouldn't be thinking about the rules?
0: I believe that we're teaching people the wrong way. I think that what Mm -hmm. we, I think what we, I think we're teaching people the wrong way. What the way, the way that I work is, let's talk about the emotional content first and then we'll figure out where the fuck we are. So you and I are sitting in chairs, each of us has a different emotional point of view at this moment and let's just fucking go at it and later on we'll figure out where the fuck we are. Because mm-hmm. who wants to watch something where, hey Jimmy, I'm so glad that you came out here to the Running of Bulls with me in Pamplona, I know that you're an astronaut and your wife is having a baby and you know that I just opened up this restaurant in Spain and there's a dog that keeps following me around. And you're going, mm-hmm. what the fuck just happened?
1: See, I never took improv. I never went through those things, so I always did probably. I think I broke rules a lot.
0: You, pr- you did, but it worked out for you. <laughs> but, but you also... I, don't get, I
1: don't feel confident when I improvise, but it is fun. But I you... like to do it with people who are really good. So it doesn't matter if I mess it up.
0: Oh, that's it. That's exactly <laughs> what you do, and then you go, "I'm going to hitch my pony to that guy's yeah, wagon," yeah, yeah. and that's what happens. Like certainly being because what you're saying about the annoyance and and the people that matter most are the people that you're playing with in that moment, and so fuck everybody else. So if they're having me play their reindeer games with them, I must be doing something right, or they're going, "Oh, this is the way that Becky works. I'm going to work around her because I think I like what her how her brain works."
1: So I guess it's like you're saying it. It sort of helps a person feel confident if they're already in the situation working with these other people. Clearly. Like you should trust it. Like, if I wasn't good enough, I wouldn't be here.
0: That's exactly it. Yeah. And, and the moment that you start thinking, I'm not good enough, I shouldn't be here, mm-hmm. you're fucked because you're shutting down everything that you are up to that moment. Nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have no right to be here. Like, really?
1: Yeah. I think I, I had to learn. There was, like, some job, TV jobs that I would get where everybody would, like, afterwards, they're like, oh, that was so great, that was so great. And then when I worked on Mr. Show... They never said anything. And I I was, at first I was like really nervous, like, oh my God, I must be really bad. And then I had to just kind of logically go, if they had a problem with what I was doing, they would tell me. Right. So I had to just go, I don't need to be babied and told how great I am. I just have to like do this work and not be so, you know, needy.
0: Right. And what also is happening is what you're talking about there is I, need, I, I get to have the confidence or at least pretend to have the confidence and not to have the doubt and to quash my fear and to be here right now because people aren't here to pet me. They're here to say, right. I like the way you think, I like the way your voice works, I like the way you act and go.
1: Right. And they're, they're, they're thinking about their other things like the writing
0: and right. <laughs>
1: the other, their own performances.
0: Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly, and you look at Mr. Show, and you look at all those fucking people that were on Mr. Show, and how inspiring that was for just a generation of people. Yeah.
1: Yep, that was funny. Not it wasn't at the time. Not a lot of people saw it though. I know. It was on at like one in the morning or something.
0: Right. Yeah. But I, I look at it and I think, what is the what is one of the top three sketches that I've ever seen in my entire life, and it's that audition sketch.
1: I knew you were gonna say the audition. I know, that was such a crazy, that is a great It's sketch. perfect. Yeah.
0: And I had Dino on, you know, huh. Dino did the, the did podcast. Did he write that? Or? He wrote that. Okay. He wrote that. And yeah. Dino, Dino wrote that. Yeah. And... We talked about his writing of that. Mm -hmm. And there's another guy who just doesn't give a fuck about what anybody feels and just does what it is that he does. And I remember when Dino and Andy Dick used to do, Dino Stamitopoulos and Andy Dick used to do a show at I.O., Olympic in Chicago. And I go, who the fuck are those two jagoffs just jerking (laughs) off on stage? What the fuck are they doing up What
1: were they doing? I never saw that. Well,
0: their show was like, I'm going to eat maple. Hey, look, I'm the queen of the hats. And they would dance around and going, what the fuck is that? Why am I sitting watching this? Oh, I got so mad. They
1: were working it out. They, they were figuring working it, it out. It out.
0: <laughs> oh, and when Dean was on the show, I said, I've got an issue with you. And I'm going to go back to 1983 and yell at you for that. And he's like, I don't remember it. And he said, I totally apologize. And I'm like, looking at back at that, I'm going, you, you, at that time, I was so angry. And looking back at that now, going, no, they were fucking, what did you say? They were figuring it out. <laughs> they were yeah, working it, it out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it, too. Like with writing, it takes a while.
0: What takes a while?
1: To feel comfortable doing it, I think. But, um...
0: Yeah. Yeah, and also to say, everything that I've written up to this point, there's been some good stuff in it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's just been some good stuff in it. And we're not here to doubt. I'm not here to question myself. And when I teach, every once in a while, something will come in, and it's an interesting thing that happens. Or, I, I don't know these people. I'm I'm in, I've been this year. I've been to, into I've been to Sydney, Canberra, Australia. I've been to uh, Oahu, Maui, London, Dublin. I've taught in New York a number of times, and half the time I've been I go to San Francisco. You know, maybe three or four. How times How do these the year.
1: people find your classes?
0: Um, just people knew me and then people heard about me and then somebody says in Seattle someone said uh, this woman um, Taylor Edwards said I, I want you to come up here I, taught, I took a class from you in New York I want to put some classes together in Seattle and I said great and so she put the classes together and I don't know these people but if mm-hmm. I had doubt I wouldn't be able to do it
1: Yeah, especially if you're the teacher
0: exactly yeah. and especially because I'm, I'm, not, I'm teaching something that other people aren't teaching yeah. I'm teaching something that's very different, and so there's going to be a lot of pushback. But still, I go. You know what? I've got a business.
1: So when you go to these places and teach, have these people uh, already taken improv classes, or for the is most their part, first time?
0: I have had students. Mm-hmm. I had one student say, "Yours was the first improv class because the work that I do, is, the work that I do, you don't have to have improv training. You just have to be present, and let's just start from there."
1: So did the um, in the other countries are they? Do they improvise the same way we do here or is it sort of...
0: Yes, they do in a way, but they, there's like in, they do, they do, they do, but there are certain things like when you go to a British country, a country that is, has a foundation or a DNA of Britain, mm-hmm. there tends to be a lot of politeness that you have to get through mm-hmm. and because the politeness is a lie, politeness is going, you know, you're not really telling your truth. And so i got to cut through a lot of that stuff, and that's really fun for me to do because goes, uh-uh, you don't believe that. It's like, well, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. It's like, he's not in the fucking room. You're not in the room. You're two <laughs> actors who are playing. It's like somebody saying, well, you know, Ophelia, I don't... Maybe she won't die in this one version.
1: <laughs> we you don't go, want to kill her off.
0: We don't want to kill her <laughs> off. Suicide's bad. What if some kids watch this, this show? <laughs> you know, I don't want her to drown. So what if it's a dream? Um... <laughs> You know, but improvisers do that where they're yeah. afraid to show themselves on stage because they think people will think that that's who it is that they are. Yeah. Because they're making it up on the spot. But if I gave yeah. you a script and you really read it and you learned it well, yeah. I'm not going to say, oh, I guess um, uh, Becky wants to kill herself because she's playing this character named Ophelia.
1: How did you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: got to get her help, you know, and it's not like that at all.
1: Right. Yeah, I did, I tried to, I mean I'm not like that trained in improv, but I did a little thing with, volunteer thing at the kids' school, Mm -hmm. and they loved freeze tag, like the kids love to play that game. Right. It was interesting, there was one little girl who would not talk, and I was, she's it was a voluntary after school thing, and she signed herself up for it, but she wouldn't talk. And I I was like, okay, maybe... (laughs) I would like give them like intentions going into the scene or something. About this wasn't freeze tag. This was just like an improvised scene. I'd say, okay, your secret is you are going to refuse to talk. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. What else to do with her?
0: <laughs> and how, and she how'd yeah, she, do? she
1: refused to talk. But then I kind of felt like eh, that wasn't really good because she didn't have anywhere to go <laughs> with it. Like I was like, I told the other person, you need to try to get her to talk. So
0: well, that's a symbiotic relationship. You know, you're working together. Are your kids into the biz at all? Your daughters?
1: Um, no, they're very funny uh-huh. at home, and they're. I think that they like to do. They do funny characters at home, but they don't want to get in front of people, which no. is fine with me. Right. They're really like, they're they're very sensitive. Like they, it's too much for them, mm-hmm. you know, to get up in front of people. Uh huh. Which I I remember feeling that way. Oh age. sure. How old are they? They're 11 and 13, though that um, there's a really great place in in Pasadena called the Armory that has art, all kinds of art classes. And they've got really good drama stuff where the teacher has them making their own animal masks and crawling around. It's not like, you know, acting like a Disney princess or anything. Got it. So they did um, a silent movie um, class. Where they watched um, Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin and Harold Lloyd, I think, wow. or and then they acted out some silent scenes. Mm-hmm. And my younger daughter really liked doing that. So.
0: Did you ever watch any of those?
1: Those movies? Yeah, um, yeah I wanted. I read some book about Fatty Arbuckle, so I got some of his old movies because I was kind of fascinated with that whole story. Right. And I've I haven't watched a lot of Charlie Chaplin. Um, who else?
0: I, well, Charlie Chaplin, Laurel and Hardy, but they weren't silent. They were they were speaking, oh, yeah. but at the time, essentially, they were kind of silent because most of it was just slapstick and that sort of thing. But I was just always in... I, it, it's a major part of, I think, my acting.
1: Yeah, I could see. You have that old-fashioned kind of yeah. style.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I loved I loved um, the Marx Brothers. I loved all that stuff. When I think about the Marx Brothers, I think about being in Chicago on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve and watching on GN or WFLD watching all the old Marx Brothers movies with my mom uh, as the snow is falling outside the window. It's yeah. such a great feeling, yeah. great memory. So yeah. nice. Let's stop there. Okay. That was really good. We're good. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrosowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter at D Rosowski.